You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Dan. Like I said, everybody usually uh, finds a place where they're uncomfortable being under authority. Even the most compliant of children will uh, eventually push back, right? They'll kind of give you a little bit of, why do I have to do that? Think of the best worker you've ever known, whether it's you or the guy next to you or whatever. At some point, we push back and we feel like, you know, this isn't, something's wrong here. And we ask why. And usually we fool ourselves by saying, I just want to understand how it works. Then I'll go ahead and do it. What you're doing is saying, I'm in charge and I want to decide for myself if that's what I'm going to do, right? That's what that boils down to. And underlying all of that, I think, is pride, right? The fact that we want to be doing what we want to be doing, and we want to be in charge. And, and as we address the concept of authority in the scripture today, I would say keep that in mind, right? Keep that in the back of your mind that in, in all of these verses, Paul doesn't really say that directly, but that's what's the problem, is we have pride and want to do what we want to do. Um, so I, I would uh, lay, that, lay that out in front of you as the underlying thought behind all of this to help you kind of sort through these, these verses that can be challenging. Um, you know, at, at some point, we're, we're going to be stuck here today with feeling a little uncomfortable about what the Bible says. I, I would imagine most of us are going to look at this and go, I don't know, right? And I know I'm uncomfortable having to share it with you because of that. And, and, and even in my own life, it's uncomfortable. We have, to, we have to cope with this reality that we're not free agents and get to do what we want. So keep that in your mind as you go forward that everybody feels this way. Right? This is, you're not alone and feeling kind of uncomfortable about what the Bible says about how to live. Um, so when we talk about submitting to authority, because that's what the scripture is about today, it made me think of a movie scene that... A moment ago, you said that you ordered Lieutenant Kendrick to tell his men that Santiago wasn't to be touched. That's right. And Lieutenant Kendrick was clear on what you wanted? Crystal. Any chance Lieutenant Kendrick ignored the order? Ignored the order? Any chance he forgot about it? No. Any chance Lieutenant Kendrick left your office and said, the old man is wrong? No. When Lieutenant Kendrick spoke to the platoon and ordered them not to touch Santiago, any chance they ignored him? You ever served in an infantry unit, son? No, sir. Ever served in a forward area? No, sir. Ever put your life in another man's hands? Asked him to put his life in yours? No, sir. We follow orders, son. We follow orders or people die. It's that simple. Are we clear? Yes, sir. Are we clear? Crystal. We follow orders or men die. Is that how it works? Is that what the Bible's telling us? We follow orders? I don't think so, right? Well, that, that movie, I, I, Nathaniel was making fun of me. I move, use movies a lot because I think it helps to add to what we're thinking about. That's not a kids' movies, guys. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that one for the kids. I usually have kids' movies up there. That one's not it. So uh, let's take a look at what the scripture says about submitting to authority. In Romans 13, I'll read that for you. It's up on the screen if you don't have a Bible or an app available to you. It says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, 
an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. That's pretty straightforward. I almost want to just sit down and say, you know, that's what it says. There's a little bit of explanation to it that's needed, I think, because we can take this and do some pretty goofy stuff with it if we're not careful. But generally speaking, you heard what you heard. We don't follow orders or men die, but we should be following orders, right? We should be doing that. Um, so let me just share a few points with you to help you think this through, because there are some things you want to be careful about here. But uh, generally speaking, it's a pretty clear message, I think. The first point here, and this is, I think, crucial to understand this whole thing. Authority is delegated by God for his purposes. That, that's what it says here. These, the, um, if you look at the, the, the first couple of sentences, he's telling us very clearly people in authority have their authority because God deemed it so. And we'll get into all the details of Paul's life and the authorities he dealt with. That does not always mean those authorities are going to be good folks, right? First thing I want to point out here is that it says, uh, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. That particularly is referring to government. This is very specific. It is not an overall, uh, just anybody that's in charge kind of thing. Um, it's not all authoritative relationships. There are plenty of authoritative relationships in our lives. Our bosses are authority over us. Parents have authority over the children, things of that nature. A coach has authority over players. All kinds of places in life that there's authority-based relationships. And honestly, the principles are probably similar. I wouldn't debate that, that it, you could kind of say, well, we should do it to all authority. But that's not what this passage says. And I want to be very careful not to uh, get us into a habit of taking something that's specifically addressed to this topic and saying it covers every, every similar topic ever. Right? That's not a good way to read the Bible. It's not a faulty thought process, but you shouldn't use that scripture to say this is why it says it. Okay? I just want to be careful of that. It, we're warned not to go beyond what scripture says. So this is referencing governing authorities. Okay? So it, it says here that God has given these people their position. right? And, and whatever, whatever manner we can understand him manipulating the world around us and things, we know that God is in charge of everything. He has control over everything. We're comfortable in that knowledge most times. We like that. It comforts us. It should comfort us in, in the governing things too. I, and I shake my head. I'm, I'm here shaking my head with you sometimes, guys. I get it. Okay. Uh, the the where is it? There's no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. It's pretty clear it comes from Him. Okay. And Jesus made this clear to Pilate too. If you want to um, get into specifics, instances, specific instances, and uh, in that world that this definitely applies to, because Paul was referring to what Jesus had kind of set up for him. In John 19, Jesus said to Pilate very directly, he said, he, he, this is the narrative, Jesus talking about Jesus. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has greater sin. That last part is a commentary on the responsibility for what was going to happen to Jesus, but the meat of that was, you know, throw your weight around all you want, Pilate. It came from above, you know, and, and Pilate had a lot of power in his day. He could, he could have, he actually did have authority, right? He did have the authority to do that, and he very well did. <laughs> and Jesus still told him, that came from God, not from you. 
So, you know, that it, it's even something that was wicked in that nature uh, was in the auspices of God's control. And, and that is sometimes hard to swallow when we see some of the things that people do when they have authority. Uh, but the idea of delegation brings with it this, which relieves some of the tension that some of us are probably feeling as we think about some of the people that have had authority over history, right? When, when the authority is delegated to you, you don't have the capability to do whatever it is you feel like doing. You have to do that within the bounds of your mission, right? The, you know, the folks who served in the military you know, you know we get all orders or men die, right? You do what you're told, and you have authority to do that, but you don't have authority to do whatever you want. You've got to get that mission done, and that's it. That's your parameters. And, and that's the thing that is uh, also laid out for us here, too. If you look a, a little bit later in the passage, um, it, it talks about the, the person in authority is God's servant for your good. That's for God's purposes part of things, right? The, the purpose of the authority given by God is to benefit those who are being governed. It is not for the person in authority to take advantage and do whatever they want and live and you know live the way they want to to their benefit. And that's where we see things going wrong. And ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you that's a broken world full of sin because you don't have to have authority to take what's been given to you and use it inappropriately, right? That's we've all done that. <laughs> we all did it probably this morning at some point. If not this morning, certainly yesterday we messed up, right? So this is not a new idea. We know that people are messed up, including the people that are in authority and their authority is not absolute. They are not God, right? That's, that's the idea of it being delegated. They're not God themselves. Many rulers in history have taken that road. They've been wrong, obviously, um, and, and that's been a, a source of much evil in the world. Certainly people taking that approach of that I'm God, you're going to do what I say kind of thing. That, that's not the intention behind this passage at all. Their authority is not intended to be absolute. Their authority given to them by God is to carry out God's mission, which is to benefit those you're governing. And that's the, the appropriate use of the authority. So that is a, a caveat to that concept of authority needing to be submitted to is it needs to be within the purposes. And we're going to get into all of this, okay? But that, that's just, that will ease some tension, I hope, for some of you that hear the concept you have to submit to authority and wait a minute, what if? Yeah, there's a lot of what ifs out there. Okay, so we have to remember, too, Paul lived under Roman rule. He, was, he wrote this letter under Roman rule. He spent time in Roman jails. He knew what it was to feel the wrath of the Roman government. Um, and Nero was the emperor when Paul wrote this. It was early in Nero's reign, but um, he, he, was, he was notorious for all the stuff he did, right? Both just to the public at large and to Christians particularly. He was wicked. Um, so we know Paul was writing this sentence, these sentences, while Nero was in charge. He wrote them to the Romans, the people who lived in Rome under Nero. So we know he knew what it was to have a guy that was abusing the authority. And he said this anyway. Okay? So we have to be careful how we try to dip and dodge when trying, trying to talk about how we submit to authority. Um, most commentators that I read here, I read several trying to get ready for this uh, yesterday, uh, Paul's not trying to excuse Nero of his behavior. Okay, there's no, there's no forgiveness or saying, oh, it's okay. He, he knew Nero was a bad guy, right? What he was doing, he was speaking in general of what governing authorities were supposed to do and how we were supposed to respond to them, right? And, and apparently, most Roman rulers at the local level weren't crazy people like Nero. Most of them were reasonable, normal guys that would rule in a normal way. And even it was the Roman way or, or the highway, literally, right? That was it. But still, they were reasonable people, and, and it, wasn't, 
a uh, crazy, kill everybody kind of thing that we, we picture when we picture Nero. So Paul was not, he, at both ends, he was not unrealistic, living in some sort of utopia, and this is the way it'll be great when everybody loves Jesus and all the leaders are awesome. That's not where he was living. He knew that. Um, but he also wasn't living in a place where, or trying to write to a place where everybody was Nero either. Okay, He was trying to give us a sense of how to live in, in an authoritative setting, good or bad, knowing that some are good, some are bad, and trying to make your way through that with uh, your Christian character intact. Okay, that, that's the idea. Um, and, and honestly, I don't know this, I'm speculating here, but since Paul wrote this in the first couple of years of Nero's rule, he probably hadn't got as crazy as he had by the end of the time he was in there. I think things escalated for him. You get a taste of that, and it's just got to get more, right? Uh, so Paul was not probably writing this knowing that Nero dipped Christians in wax and burned them as candles kind of thing, right? That kind of deal. So there's all kinds of, of things we need to be careful of. One of the commentators made a really strong effort, and I liked it, of trying to emphasize what Paul was not trying to do, okay? He, his his uh, opening sentence to this, these things I'm going to say to you, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but his opening sentence was, he does not face, let alone resolve, how to deal with the things I'm going to say here, right? He's not addressing a whole variety of things. He's really kind of hitting the middle of the road. This is what happens when things are normal. This is how you should behave. He's not addressing who to follow when there's a question in succession, right? He's not addressing, you know, think of, think of medieval times when the king would die and he'd have two sons that were equally supposedly qualified and who's really in charge? Who knows, right? Or Alexander when he died, right? He had four sons. If you remember that, that's part of the prophecies in Daniel, Alexander and his four kingdoms came out of him. Uh, but that, that was real life stuff. Uh, his four sons screwed it up. They, they took his awesome kingdom and killed it because they all want to be in charge. Who do you follow there? He's not addressing that kind of thing. Um, he's not addressing, uh, is it right to rebel against an unjust tyranny? Think the American Revolution or, in some parts of the country, the American Civil War, right? The, you know, who, who's to say who's legitimately the government there when there's causes that everybody's carrying? Okay, I, I, I'll tell you what, in reality, I, when I, I, I became a Christian my freshman year of college, I was always very patriotic, and it, it just lined up for me that, you know, George Washington, those guys, they had it going on. I struggle with that, I'll be honest with you. I look at that now, after reading things like this and thinking through it, I don't know what I would have done. You asked me 25 years ago, I'm marching with the guys at Lexington and Concord. Absolutely, 100%. Now, I don't know, I really struggle with if I would have rebelled from the king because of scriptures like this. How unjust was King George? I don't know, he wasn't great, he wasn't Nero, right? So I don't know, it, it, it should give you some pause here to think about this. Um, and I'm not questioning our country. I love our country. It's great, you know, but the, some of the stances you may have taken over time, you may need to reconsider if, if you're going to see what the scripture says. Just, just a thought, you know, but it, it's, it's troubled me actually strongly to, to think about what I would have to have done if I was living in those times because there's, there's some good arguments on both sides of that. So Paul's not addressing that, right? That's the thing, though, is he's not addressing that here. Or what if someone usurped authority or rebelled and after a while they were now the king or the president or the governor or whatever thing you got, how long does it take for them to become the legitimate authority? After a while, they're in charge, aren't they? I don't know, right? It's, he's not addressing any of that stuff. So that's why we have to be careful with passages like this, that we don't try to expand it to try to cover every situation from what he says specifically. There's principles here. We have to think about it and apply them. But he didn't talk about that here. He's not talking about that here. He's talking about 
a generic case of government. And there's a whole bunch of what ifs. We could spend all day long talking about what ifs and, and try to deal with that. So he's not addressing that because he's writing to the Roman Christians and he's not trying to give them ironclad rules of all time for every situation. He's saying, hey, this is what you guys are dealing with. This is what you got. Okay, you still have to think about your situation and consider as you go forward. Okay, and the thing that he was particularly addressing, I think, again, this is, you know, I read some commentaries, I look at it, I think, he was addressing who's governing right now, who's in authority right now. Doesn't matter how they got there, doesn't matter whether they're good or bad, they're in charge right now, what are you going to do with this situation? Right, now, that's really... Uh, the thing, and what he says is be subject to them. And that's an interesting word to be subject to. We'll talk about that in a second as well. Okay? And then the, the second part of my first point was he delegated his authority. So they're not absolute. They're going to screw up and all that. But he did it for his purposes, which means um, their authority is given to carry out his will. And we've seen, obviously, in history with Nero and many others, people who don't do God's will clearly. Okay? So how do you handle that? That's part of what we have to talk about, too. But I'll tell you what, in the day we're living in, this is a tough call, guys. If any of us pretends to know what God's purposes are, you should stop fooling yourself. We know some specific things that he told us to do and not to do, for sure. Okay, But if we're trying to look at historically and see how he, we, he weaves together all these things and, and tries to make history happen, that, no, come on now. We, none of us have the wisdom or the vision to see that. So we need to be really careful in terms of how we're going to apply the idea that if the ruler is not following God's purposes, we don't have to be subject to him. Um, it's a tough one, and, and we need to be careful and be very sure of yourself before you use that to refuse to do something that someone in authority tells you to do. I'll give you a very clear example from the Bible. This one is cut and dry, simple, easy to see. I'm going to read you three passages of Scripture that let you know how to manage this in a place that you can tell for sure what's going on. Matthew 28. I think these will all be on the board for you here on the screen. Matthew 28, verse 18, And Jesus came to, came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Most of us have heard of that as a great commission. Jesus charged his disciples the moment before he went up on the cloud, after he resurrected, to tell people about him, to teach them, to make disciples, to baptize them, and the promise he would be with him. That was a direct statement from him. This is what you got to do. When I'm gone, this is your job, guys. Okay? And as we see in Acts, they started carrying that out. They ran into some trouble. Right? In Acts 4, the Sanhedrin. Now, these are the governing authorities of the Jewish people. So these are governing authorities. Not the Roman government, but governing authorities. They, they manage the temple and Jewish society. So they called them. This is Acts 4. They called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak what we have seen and heard. Pretty simple decision to make, right? That very clear. Jesus told them to tell people about him. The governing authorities told them not to. Who are you going to follow, man or God? That's an easy call. Peter and John did not. They were something, right, those guys? Acts 5 and verse 25. And someone came and told them, the Sanhedrin, look, the men you have put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. And then the captain of the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, we strictly tar charge you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. 
But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. That I submit to you as a very clear example of knowing when you can defy governing authorities. They told them not to do something specifically that Jesus had told them to do. And Jesus told them personally, right? So there's no debate on that one. Has Jesus told you to do this? If you're following him and you know that his word is true, he's told you to do that too. So whether you're doing it or not, I don't know. That's something we encourage people to do, but I'm not in the middle of your life knowing that. But if you're trying to do that, and there's a governing authority that's telling you not to, you're absolutely in the right place to defy that governing authority. Okay, That's the government. If your boss tells you not to do that, you're entirely within your place to defy your boss and to find another job. Right? They have no reason to keep you around if you're going to do that. There are consequences. These folks spent some time in jail, as we know. And 11 out of the 12 did not spend their entire natural life here on this earth because of what they did. So we know there are consequences. Yes, it's not, not a shocker there. In America, we think we have a right to do something means nobody can mess with us if we do. No, there are consequences sometimes when you exercise your rights. But that's a very clear-cut case. I don't think anybody can debate with that. There are a lot of things that we all as people will dance and dodge and try to make it so we can do what we want by talking about this way. Well, God doesn't want this to happen, so if I do this and this and this, I'll end up there. Uh-oh, I can't do that. Oh, I don't know. Slow down. Right? There's a, lot of, there's a lot of steps in between that you're imagining and making up. Be very careful okay, how you use that. Um, I, I would say that, we, that that is an idea that this governing authority is unjust uh, against God in some way, somehow. Therefore, I don't have to do a whole bunch of things that it says to do. I think we overuse that as Christians, in, the, in our minds at least. And you know, a lot of this battle is in our mind. I'll get to that in a little bit too. I find myself debating these things a whole lot more outwardly than I, or inwardly rather, than I actually do outwardly. I pretty much follow the rules, to be honest with you. I, I don't make a lot of waves. But boy, in my heart, I'm, I'm paddling hard to make a bunch of waves lots of times. Okay, So we need to be careful when we do that. We need to be careful when we do that. So when you look at the, the concept of you know, submitting to authorities, governing authorities, we need to understand as, as followers of Christ who believe the Bible is true that God really did put those people there. Hard as it is to believe sometimes. He really did make that happen in whatever, like I said, whatever ways we don't know. But that, that's within his governing authorities himself, and he's doing it. And we gotta, we got to cope with this verse then. we got to do some stuff we sometimes don't want to do. And, and that's, that's, that's tough. It's hard. Um, so the second part of this, and I'm sure I haven't answered some of your questions along the way. This is a difficult topic. Uh, but the second part that may help carry the conversation forward is, so we know that God delegated the authority, and, the, and he has a purpose for it. It's not the governor's purpose. It's God's purpose. Um, but then why do we submit to authority would be the next thing. Why would we do that? So verse 1 says to subject ourselves to governing authorities. As, as If you haven't read Bible commentaries, they love to talk about where the words come from and explain it. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's, what did you just say? I don't know. But uh, th this was a good thought here. The word, because uh, different translations pick different words, and, and sometimes you get confused hearing between the two. The, the, the idea of subjecting yourself was really a good thought because the idea was to make yourself a subject of the authority. Think of kings and subjects, right? You are the subject of the king. Um, it's submitting yourself to that person's rule and authority. Um, and submitting is a word that we often stumble on in Christian circles. We get a little bit unnerved because the world does not take kindly to that word, right? Submitting is a sign of weakness. 
right? You think about MMA fighters, they submit when they do that, right? You're weaker, you got beat. Um, that's not what the Christian context is. It's, a, it's a willfully putting yourself underneath somebody. And with the idea of submission, pretty much comes obedience, right? You do what someone says. But that's a trap we fall into. Um, submission, if you can think about it, I'm gonna get into my math world. Submission is a big set, obedience is a subset of that. It's something, if someone submits, they will obey. That is not all they do though. Submission is bigger than that. And we're not called to obey governing authorities, we're called to subject ourselves, to submit ourselves to them. And that is a whole lot more to swallow. That, that is not so, so comfortable sometimes. Um, the concept of submission requires that you agree that person's in charge and you're going to let them do what they want without fighting them. That's the concept of submission with government. Whoa, that's not so much fun, right? I can, all right, I'll do that, but whatever, this guy's a jerk and I'll just go ahead and do it. That's not submitting, okay? That's, and that's hard, man. I've been there. That's, like I said, internally I'm making some waves, but I'm doing what I'm supposed to do and I'm talking to myself a lot up here today. And not in a crazy way either. It's just, it's God's teaching me as I go here. So in, in Matthew 21, Jesus told the story of two brothers. Uh, it'll be familiar to some of you guys. He told, he told the brothers, go work in the field, or the vineyard. I think, go, go work in the vineyard. Um, and the first brother said, yeah, I'm not doing that, old man. The old man's nuts. I'm not doing that, right? But later on, he said, all right, I'm going to go do what dad said. He worked in the vineyard. The second brother said, yes, Father, I'll be happy to do that today. And he went off and did whatever he wanted to do, never went to work. And Jesus asked the people who were listening who did the Father's will. And then, of course, the son who actually went to work did the Father's will. I would contend neither of them submitted. The one who said he would and didn't clearly didn't because he did what he wanted to do. The one who said he's not going to and did, he obeyed his father, but he didn't really submit. He gave his father grief, and then he did it. Okay. There should have been a third brother around. Here I am telling Jesus what he should have done. <laughs> to complete my picture, you need a third brother who said, okay, Dad, and went and did it, right? That, that's, that's true submission, okay? Cracking me up telling Jesus how to tell his stories. Um, anyway, so that, that's what submission is, is both thinking and doing. And oh boy, am I asking a lot for you guys to say, yeah, I, I guess that's what it says. But guys, that's what it says, okay? And I am absolutely in no place to tell you how much I love the government and think it's great and ought to do what they ought to do. But guys, that's what we ought to do. We, ought not, we shouldn't think what they're doing is great, but we ought to do it with a heart that has submission. Um, and we should not violate God's will, obviously. We're not going to go out and do things that are wrong, but they're in charge, and we have to do that. And we have to do it without being obnoxious about it. And that's what God's calling us to. Again, that goes back to when they're in God's purposes and things, and, and that's a battle you're going to fight for your whole life, I think. Um, basically, the concept here is you're recognizing your subordinate place. Government, you, they're in charge. Deal with it, right? The, uh, and, and this, again, going to other relationships, that's not what this is about, but it might help you understand. We have a lot of kids. Yeah, most of you guys know that. We have 12 kids, 8 boys, and 4 girls. Right? I won. <laughs> First two were boys, I told, I told my wife, yeah, I, all right, I got this covered now. We can have a girl. It's okay. No, stupid. But, you know, I, I, I knew ladies kind of rule the roost sometimes, and, and we, needed, we needed the manpower. All right? We needed the manpower. So I'm not going to name names, but one of my younger boys, um, you know, with eight boys, it gets a little bit rough and tumble sometimes. Things get kind of wild, and I'm right in the middle of it. So eight, eight male children and a grown-up male child rough and tumble stuff happens, okay? So 
one of them, he just does not give in, okay? And along the way, I, don't, I, I think it was me. I, I'm sure it was me. I told him, I'm the alpha, right? I'm in charge here. I'm playing around. And he couldn't speak it well. So he started saying the alphabet, and he was the alphabet. Okay, he's the alphabet. I'm like, dude, you're the omega. Who says I don't know Greek? Uh, I know Greek, right? I told him, you're the omega. He couldn't say that either. So he, he's, the, he's the mango. You're the mango. So we still say that to, the day, to this day. We still say that, the alpha and the mango. But he just wouldn't give up, right? And he wouldn't give up. And, and he still walks around telling people, you're the mango. <laughs> and he's in no place to tell anybody what they're going to do. So, you know, that's... That's our hearts. That's who we are. We don't submit. We don't give in. And most people, at some point, you're, you're not going to give in. That's the pride thing I was talking about. But what's happening there for that little guy, he was resisting us. He's just resisting. And what we're doing is we're telling God, you're the mango. I'm in charge. And that is not a good thing to do, let me tell you. In fact, it says uh, you will incur judgment, I believe. If you look back at the beginning of the passage, those who resist what God has in mind will incur judgment. So not a good place to be. I'm not Applauding the mango, it's kind of funny, but you know, don't do that to God. When you're resisting him and you're not making yourself subordinate to him, you got a problem. And what he said is these guys are in charge, be subordinate to them. Ah, not so funny anymore. Not so funny anymore. Um, there's two reasons for it, right? My point was here, why do we do this? There's two reasons. One's kind of practical, and the other should be more like meaningful, real to you. One is it means we don't need to fear the repercussions of disobedience. We won't be incurring that judgment, right? Uh, that's that's kind of good, right? In fact, that's what drives most people is to avoid pain, right? Avoiding pain is a very common reason for behavior. And it's not wrong to do that. I try to avoid things that hurt me as well. Um, the and, and Paul lays this out. Peter does too in, in one of his epistles. If you're living right, you're not going to have any problems, right? And for Paul here, it's if you're living right, Good, People, the authority's going to leave you alone. Peter was saying, if you're living right, you're going to have a good reputation, that's a good thing. right? Paul here says, if you're living wrong, you're going to get it. You don't want to get it. Peter says, if you're living wrong, you're going to get it. And what Peter was saying is, don't feel like a martyr if you're getting persecuted for doing stupid stuff. Peter was saying, if you're getting persecuted for living right, that's when you're being persecuted in Christ's name. Okay, So that's what Peter's take on it. Paul's was a little more practical hey, if you're going to screw up messing with the government, they're going to get you, right? That's the reality, and you don't want that. Um, I mean, he references the sword here. They played a little harder ball than we do, right? They, they, you mess with the Roman government, you got the sword <laughs> a lot of times. What do we get? We get a fine, that kind of stuff. Those of you who are drivers in the room and soon-to-be drivers, listen, right? Is there anything worse than a traffic accident? That's worse, but... The circus lights going on behind you? Oh, what an awful feeling. There's some folks who hand out those tickets in the room, and you guys know how much we all feel bad, right? But you're doing your job. You're doing the right thing, okay? So that, you're going to pay a fine. You're going to, no matter what. You go plea the ticket, whatever you can do, you're going to pay a fine. Absolutely. Unless they let you off. Maybe the, maybe the guy has mercy. That's great. The officer, I don't want to be gender-based here. The officer gives you a break, right? Um, that's all good. That's all within their delegated authority. They can do that if they want. But the reality is you broke the law, you're going to pay. Right? None of us wants that. It's all kinds of reasons we don't want to do that. So that, that's one reason to, to obey is to avoid, to avoid, incurring, avoid incurring God's judgment through his ministers that are with the vengeful wrath. I think it's, it's pretty rough. Uh, they are, 
for he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Ooh, boom. You don't, want to, you don't want to be facing that, okay? Very practical reason. The second reason, which should be more powerful, hopefully it's more powerful, but avoiding pain is a pretty powerful motivation. It's simply the right, right thing to do. It, it, it says in verse 5, for the sake of conscience, do that, because you know it's the right thing to do, okay? When you understand the right thing, and it requires understanding. You don't know what's going on. Ignorance is no excuse when you're dealing with the law, but nonetheless, God's written a lot of things in our hearts. We're not talking about, you know, nitpicky laws here, guys. We're talking about living right for God, that kind of thing. In fact, the word conscience is, is, is a Latin root. Con, with, science, knowledge. With knowledge, you know what you're doing. You know you're doing the wrong thing. <laughs> That's not a good place to live, right? So, and that, I mean, Jesus' whole Sermon on the Mount was just filled with references. If he knows what's going on in our heart, it's not what we're doing, it's what we're thinking. Okay, so when you're living that way, when you're living with your heart right with him, for your conscience sake, that's the way to live. Peace with him, peace with the people around you, peace with the authorities, that's the way to live. Okay, so there is a really, there are two really good reasons to live in obedience. Because it sets you right with God, and it keeps you from feeling pain. Okay, that doesn't mean you can't stand up against wrong things. We're talking about normal everyday life here. Okay, just living life, doing things, and, and that that's that's powerful. I, I hope it's powerful to you that you can you can do those things. And my last point as I wrap up here, we talked about what it means for the governing authorities to have it delegated by God for His purposes. Why do we submit? And now I want to talk about how do we submit to authority. Okay. A better question might be, how are you avoiding submitting? Because that's probably the issue for most of us, is avoiding it. In, in most cases, most people live life between the two lines, okay, between the two lines on the road. But everybody finds a place to dodge and, dodge and dart around and do what they want to do. Um, so I'll just read, the, I'm going to go back and read the end of the, the passage in Romans again, because Paul's pretty clear here about some things that he knows people mess with. For because of this, this is verse 6 now. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Okay? So the taxes and revenue thing, in, in Paul's day, that was a different structure than ours is. There's some blending to things. So the, the tax part was the tribute they paid to the Romans to just support the people who lived in the government. Right? They had to pay tribute. If you think of uh, Matthew as a tax collector, he collected taxes and tribute. Right? He, he, he lived off of that. Um, so that kind of thing. And then revenue, probably a little bit more what we're familiar with. Any sort of duties that they had to pay, customs at the ports and things like that. What we would more like sales tax kind of stuff. We, the things, the transactional taxes. Um, they didn't have an income tax so much like we do, but that would fall into either of those cases, really. It's all the same thing. The money you owe the government, really. There's, there's a, he makes a distinction because there was a distinction in that culture. We don't have such a distinction as much, so it's the money you owe the government idea. Okay. And the, the reality is, guys, uh, almost everybody in the room has probably avoided paying some taxes at some point. I know I have, I'll be honest, right? It, it's, it's just... It's the nature of things. We do that. We avoid stuff. And you may have not done that, and that's great. Okay, But the reality is uh, we, we try to avoid paying the government any more than we have to. Why do we do that? All kinds of reasons. Um, 
irritation with how it's imposed, we think it's too much, we don't like the way they spend it or waste it, right? Greed on our part, we just want to have as much as we can. There's all kinds of reasons behind that. Pride, you're not going to tell me what to do with my money, all kinds of things, right? I don't know what that is for you, and I don't really want to spend a lot more time on it. You know what that is for you. You've got to address that with God, right? But the reality is we try to avoid these things. Just some everyday examples, and I've lived it. I've Some of these I've probably, yeah, I've done some of these. I'll be honest with you, I have. But most of them I haven't, right? But these are common things that people do, all right? Sales tax on cars. It is so easy to cheat that. So easy, because you're signing your own forms and writing things. Every time I've sold a car to somebody who wasn't a believer, they want me to write a lower amount on the sales tax form. Common practice. Common practice. You shouldn't do it. I know. It burns me. In fact, that's one of the things. If Sean were preaching this one, I know he'd go on a tirade right now. So I'm going to do it for him. He's not here. I'll, I'll stand in his place. It is absurd that we have to pay tax every time we sell a car, because it's already been paid tax once, right? That's just a kind of ridiculousness that we live with. I don't care if it's absurd. i got to check my attitude, right? We've got to do it. So that, that kind of thing. Not reporting income. That's dependent on your job, easy or difficult. But you know you're supposed to do that, right? There are parameters to that. We have some CPAs in the room, so I'm not going to get too deep in the water because I don't want to get called out. But we know there's parameters, OK? Got to do it right. Paying people or getting paid under the table. We all know that's not appropriate, right? And again, parameters to some of that as well. But avoiding tax is a bad idea, guys. Here's a tough one, not getting permits to build or to sell stuff, right? Each town has its own thing, so I'm free and clear to just say, I don't know, you got to check in your own town. But there's things you're supposed to do when you're going to do stuff on your property. Yeah, it burns. It's my property. Actually, it's not your property. That's, that's another myth we live in. Real estate, royal estate, it's a Spanish term. Real, royal, it's the king's estate, buddy. He's renting it to you. That's what your property taxes are. You don't own your property. Try not paying your taxes, see how long you owe it. Right? Just not going to happen. So we have, I, it's, again, I'm not guiltless in all of this, okay? But these are the things that we commonly do that, are, that would be easy to stop doing. Look into your heart, see why you're doing it, okay? The second half of that, in my mind, is even harder. And I'm, <laughs> I'm probably blushing right now. The honor and respect part, oh boy, oh boy. Respect to whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is owed, right? We have a whole lot of politicians in our history that do not reserve, deserve respect as a person, but their office does. And I have a hard time separating that, I'll be honest with you. How do you respect the office but not the man? That's a, that's a common phrase like hate the sinner, or hate the, hate the sin, love the sinner, sorry. I told you I was a bit off today. Um, those, those are some hard, those are, those are some hard, hard hairs to split sometimes, okay? Um, I, I thought about this. I, I, in my, like, memory, I've, I've seen eight presidents of the United States. There were a couple when I was a little kid, but I don't remember those. Out of those eight, I'm batting 50% on the guys that I would say I respect as people. And it had nothing to do with politics. In fact, one of them, completely diametrically opposed to his politics, but a great guy. Great guy. Very respectable guy. Okay? Others... Nothing great about them. I, dirty people, sleazeballs, whatever words you want to use, I don't care, you use it. That does not excuse me from disrespecting that person as the President of the United States, or the governor, or the mayor, or whatever, alderman, councilman, all those levels, okay? 
that's a challenge, guys. I, I will totally admit I'm challenged by that. You ask my kids my opinions since the political figures, they'll tell you exactly what I, I think sometimes, okay? Um, we need to have a balance there to keep the honor to whom honor is due. Easy example there, a lot of, a lot of sports teams get invited to the White House. Sometimes people won't go, right? And I thought about that. The first time I saw that happen, I was in favor of it because politically it made sense to me and I had to rethink afterwards. Um, but you know, you, you, you have to, president walks in, you're gonna stand up. You have to, that's kind of how that is. Might be the dirtiest president in the history of the United States, you will stand up when the president walks in the room, right? I might try to leave the room as soon as I can, <laughs> okay? That's a way to cope with that. But you know, the reality is we have to have some respect for those folks um, even when they're not respectable. I mean, Sean talked last week about loving our enemies, right? It's a whole lot easier to have some respect for somebody than it is to love them. You know, if we can love our enemies, we should, we should be able to respect somebody we disagree with and that may be doing things to our country that we think is ruining it, right? But that's what we're called to do, okay? So that is a lot to dump on your plate. That is not something that is going to sit well with some of you guys. I understand that. I would encourage you to check out the scriptures for yourself. Be noble like the Bereans. Check out your heart. Check out, check, look for that pride that I referenced earlier. Is it really you just don't want to be told what to do? Because honestly, that's probably what it is. And you're not alone. Nobody likes that. But God gets to do that. And I'm glad, man. I'm glad he's told me how to live. Because I'd be a mess if he didn't. You know, I'd be doing all kinds of crazy, stupid stuff. And I'm glad he has helped me see how to live. And he's told me this is how to live. Right? So respond to that. Think about who he is in your life and, and do what you need to do to make adjustments in your heart and mind. And the Holy Spirit will help you, I assure you. If you really want this to be something in your life that changes, ask him to help you, and he will. He will. So I'm going to pray now, and our, our music teams have come up, and we're going to finish up with a song. Lord, we do thank you. Father, we know that all of this, all of this, and I neglected to say it in my sermon, I say it now, all of this depends on our trusting Jesus to save us from our sins. We are sinful by nature. Our nature is to, dis, to defy you, to, to turn away from you, and to walk away. And without that cleansing work in our hearts done by you through the Holy Spirit, because Jesus died for us, we cannot follow you, and we cannot respect authority, and we cannot submit, Lord. The, the mind of the flesh cannot, it says in the Bible. So I know that. And I pray for those here today that are in that situation that they would hear from you that they know they need to submit to you for their own life and salvation, regardless of whatever authorities are in their lives. Father, I just pray for those of us who know you, that you would um, just give us hearts that would hear. Help us to adjust, to adapt, to change. Lord, we're shirts, the shirt I am wearing says life change, and that's what it's about. The way we came to you is not the way we should stay. And I pray that you would help us to follow you in your word. In Jesus' name, amen.